my family moved back to Louisiana in August, and before that, for a year and a half, we lived in Montana. And so when my kids saw snow on the forecast this week, they got real excited. And I had to break it to them. I don't think it's going to be quite the same. It's not going to be the exact, exact same experience. And so they're still pumped this morning. They're seeing little flakes come down at the house, and they were pumped about that. Um, but Happy New Year's. We made it, I think, uh, year three or something. And how many of you are fans of New Year's resolutions? Like one. Okay. I, I, you? Yeah. I'm great at making New Year's resolutions. I'm awful at keeping them. But I do love the idea that I'm going to get my stuff together at the beginning of the year. It just always tends to fail. And, and one thing I've learned as kind of a life hack with New Year's resolutions is just to set the bar really, really low, to have really low expectations for yourself in any given year, and then you crush it. Yeah? Uh, a few years ago, I set a goal. My only goal for that year was to buy a Levi's jeans sh- shirt, like a button-up jean shirt. And in week one, lo and behold, Amazon exists. Week one, I knocked that goal out of the park, and I had a great year, like no problems. Um, there's like a whole industry around New Year's resolutions and fitness and all that kind of stuff, and I can appreciate wanting to improve yourself and wanting to have goals to become a better, a better human. That's fine. But sometimes there's just a lot of pressure for that. And I think especially like right now, I'm like, I don't have the space or energy for any of that. I, my goal for 2022 is just to survive, <laughs> to just keep making it, uh, I think, and just kind of <laughs> hang on for dear life. Um, but this morning, I want to talk a little bit about not adding something to your plate as far as a discipline, like reading the Bible all year or something, which would be great if you want to do that. Um, I don't want to talk about adding something to your plate, but rather like lightening your load and lightening um, your plate. And I want to talk about forgiveness. So forgiveness in, in the New Testament, the word that was used like 150 times in the New Testament for forgiveness is afeemi. And I, I can't really spell that. I probably can't really pronounce it. Just trust me, that's the word. And that word means to let go of something, to leave it behind, to, to move on from it. Now, when the pandemic first hit in 2020, we did what a lot of idiots did, and we bought a puppy. Uh, so this is our puppy. The day one when we brought him home, Albus Dumblemore. If you're a Harry Potter fan, that's Albus Dumblemore. He's a golden doodle, but he's black. I don't get that either. Um, but our kids loved him. But Albus, when he was a puppy, like most puppies I've, I've been around, he had this nasty habit of chewing on things. Toys, clothing, underwear, whatever. Like when we weren't looking, he would find it and he would start to chew on it. And so I remember those first few months, the most used phrase in our house was, leave it, leave it, leave it. Like, you know what that meant. We'd yell at him over and over again when he was chewing on something he shouldn't be chewing on. We asked him to leave it, put it down. That was our most used command in that, in that period of time. And I think that's what forgiveness is. It's when we're, we find ourselves chewing on something that we shouldn't be chewing on. And God's saying, I just want you to leave it. I want you to put it down. I want you to, to put it behind. When someone's disappointed you or hurt you, when, when an experience in life has left you uh, in, in, in anger or in grief or disappointment, God's saying, I want you to have flexibility and health, and I want you to stop ruminating on it, stop chewing on it, and leave it. And I grew up in the church, and and so the idea of forgiveness was taught over and over again growing up, and I think there's a few misconceptions about what forgiveness is, and so I want to spend this morning just talking about a few things I've learned on my journey about forgiveness. And the first thing I want to say is that forgiveness uh, does not mean that you're a doormat. 
It doesn't mean that you just let everything go and let people trample all over you and, and abuse you and, and mistreat you. Forgiveness doesn't mean you're a doormat. In my experience, when you let someone treat you like a doormat or when you're someone that treats other people like doormats, that's actually a huge barrier to relationships. There's actually, there's not really a connection there because there's not equality, there's not dignity, there's not respect and honoring. So forgiveness doesn't mean that you're just a doormat that lets everyone walk all over them. Forgiveness doesn't mean that there's not accountability in relationships. Letting something go or moving on from something doesn't mean there's not accountability for that thing. In Jesus, in Matthew 18, he gives a very tight precise um, kind of process for accountability. And so Matthew 18, Jesus says this, if someone sins against you, go directly to them and tell them what they've done. Confront them about what they've done. Tell them how they've, how they've hurt you, how they've wounded you, how they've disappointed you. If someone sins against you, go directly to them and address the issue. And then Jesus goes on to say, and if they listen to you, if they understand, if they repent, then you've won them over. Other translations say, you've gained a brother. And then he goes on to say, but if they don't listen to you, and you go through this process of trying to address the issue, and they don't repent, and they're stubborn, and they're obstinate, then treat them like you would a tax collector or an outsider. And I love this passage because there's so much wisdom, and there's three things I want to pull out from it. The first thing he says is, go directly to them. He doesn't say, shove it down or ignore it. I found often in my relationships, when I shove down deep wounds... Like it doesn't, it just leads to resentment, which doesn't foster a healthy relationship. So he doesn't, he says, doesn't say to shove it down. And he doesn't say, hey, go tell other people about it and gossip and slander and spread the issue. He says, go directly to them and confront them on the issue. That's great advice. And it doesn't mean you should go to somebody about every single thing. You have to use discernment on what is worth a conversation. But Jesus says, go directly to that person and address the issue. That's a healthy way to do relationships. Don't talk bad about them behind their back. Go directly to them. Then he says, if, you, if they listen to you, if they acknowledge it, agree, repent, then you've won over, you've gained a brother, you've actually strengthened the relationship. And I found in my experience as a husband that when my wife and I can have conversations about how we've disappointed each other and have humility, which is, you know, it's a coin flip of, of our moods of whether that happens. But when we can come to the table and agree on what took place and work through it and work on our communication, when we've worked through the disappointment, our relationship is stronger on the other side of it. Conversely, when we put things off or when we don't deal with it, it creates distance in the relationship. I found that with my kids when I blow it with them, which is a daily or weekly thing, that when I had the humility to kind of get down on their level and say, hey, I'm so sorry that I reacted this way or acted this way. Will you please forgive me? And they, they accept that and acknowledge that. We actually grow closer in our bond. And that's true in my friendships as well. When, when, I've, when I've let down a friend and they come to me and, and let me know that if I'm in the right headspace and have the humility, if I acknowledge that and we talk through it, our relationship is stronger. And I think sometimes in the South we want to be really nice and kind of ignore things or, or not address things. And I think that kind of behavior can often lead to disconnection and resentment. So Jesus says, if someone sins against you, go to them directly and talk to them about it. And if they've listened, if the conversation goes well, you've actually strengthened the relationship. You've grown in intimacy and vulnerability and courage. You know how to love each other better moving forward. But then he says, he goes on and says, but sometimes it doesn't always go that way. Sometimes they don't react in a positive way. They don't repent. They're stubborn. They double down. They keep doing the same behavior. And Jesus says in those instances, treat them like you would a tax collector or an outsider. 
So Jesus is telling us that we have the permission to set new boundaries in that relationship. If we're in a relationship with someone that's wounding us over and over again, um, it doesn't mean we have to be a doormat. We can set boundaries and say, hey, I'm no, I'm no longer going to tolerate that type of behavior. Jesus says, treat them like you would a tax collector or an outsider. Now, I want to note there is how did Jesus treat those people, outsiders and tax collectors? He treated them with kindness and compassion. He may have had boundaries and kind of redefined the relationship. Hey, you're over here and I'm over here and that's fine. But he still acted with kindness, compassion, humility. So even as we draw those boundaries, we're still to lead out with, with kindness. It doesn't mean being a jerk right back to him. But forgiveness doesn't mean being a doormat. It doesn't mean people trample all over you. Accountability is still at play. And so tied to that, forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciliation. Forgiveness and reconciliation aren't the same thing. Forgiveness is something you can do on your own, regardless of what the, how the other person responds. Reconciliation is a process that takes two people coming together to work it out and strengthen their thing. Forgiveness is for your own health as much as anything else. Marianne Williamson has a famous quote. She says, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. When we don't forgive, we're harboring, we're holding on to something that's actually negatively impacting our emotional, mental, spiritual, and physical health. So forgiveness is as much about our own health as, as anything else. It doesn't always lead to reconciliation. Now, growing up, I had a lot of, a lot, I had a half dozen seriously traumatic events happen in my family life growing up, and a few of those were directly tied to my dad and decisions and choices that he made. And for a long time, I held on to anger and bitterness against him. Eventually, he died. He died pretty young at about 52, and it wasn't until years after he died that I went to therapy and I started processing some of these traumas in my life, and I began to find healing and forgiveness and wholeness and a real new appreciation and different perspective on my dad in the season he was walking through in his life. Um, and I felt like a weight coming off my shoulder as I did that work of forgiveness. But that didn't necessarily mean that I reconciled in my relationship with my dad because he, was, he had died. He was no longer around. Forgiveness doesn't always lead to reconciliation. But what it did for me in that moment was it gave me a healthier way of an outlook in life. It allowed me to be a healthier father myself, a healthier husband, a healthier person. So forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean reconciliation. And, and some of you in the room are listening might have relationships that just aren't healthy to engage with. It might be um, uh, from a divorce, from a, a b abuse in your, in your childhood or, or current situation, whatever. And, and, and forgiveness doesn't always mean reconciliation, but you, you do the work of forgiveness for your own sake as much as anything else. Reconciliation requires both people coming to, to work on it together. There's a, there's a story in the Gospels where Jesus, he tells a parable. And the parable goes like this. There was a servant that owed the king, of, uh, his king, a million dollars, roughly, it's translated. He owed him a million dollars, and he was really stressed out about it. And so he went to the king and fell at the king's feet and begged and pleaded, King, please forgive me this debt. And the king, after the, the begging and pleading, said, Okay, I'll forgive you the debt. But the one thing the king didn't do was like, And also let me take out my checkbook and write you another check for a million dollars. The king doesn't do that. He forgave him the original debt, the original wound of the past, but he didn't necessarily pull out the checkbook immediately and, and give him another blank check. I think a lot of times we think forgiveness means writing a blank check to someone who hasn't earned our trust back. And trust is something that once it's lost, 
needs to be proven, that, that needs to be earned back. I, I think in general, as followers of Jesus, or as healthy human beings, we need to, to lead with a posture of trust and discernment. But when we've been in a relationship and someone has repeatedly broken our trust, it doesn't mean we freely give it back. There, there, is, a, there is a pattern or a process in which trust is earned. The king doesn't just write another blank check for this guy. And we aren't beholden. When we forgive someone of, of a past wound, we aren't obligated to open ourselves up to future wounding if they haven't shown any change of growth. Does that make sense? In fact, later on in that story, that, that guy would go down the street. He'd just been forgiven a million bucks. He sees someone that owes him $10, and he demands that that person pay him 10 bucks. That guy can't do it. The guy that was forgiven a ton shows no mercy. The king finds out about that behavior and comes back to collect the debt. There's, a, there's, a, there's all sorts of good stuff in that story, but just because we've forgiven someone of a past wound doesn't mean we have to open ourselves up to future wounding if they haven't shown any growth or repentance. So forgiveness doesn't mean being a doormat, and it doesn't always lead to reconciliation because forgiveness is about us letting go of anger or hurt or grief or disappointment that continues to hurt us. We're letting it go so that we can be healthy and whole. And the last thing I'll say about forgiveness is that forgiveness is a process. I don't think it's a one-time event. Garth Brooks has a song. He says, we bury the hatchet, but we leave the handle sticking out. I don't know Garth Brooks very much, but I like that lyric. <laughs> we, we bury the hatchet, but we leave the handle sticking out, and we pick it right back up and start going at each other. When we forgive, it's a process. It's not a one-time event. And sometimes we find, or I find myself, when I've, I forgive myself and moved on, like a week later, I get angry about the situation again. We, we put something down, but we have this tendency as humans to pick it right back up. And I learned that lesson with my dog, Albus, when he was a puppy. He would put something down, like, sweet, he learned, he's good. I, turn, you know, I go in the other room, I come back, he immediately went back to it. He picked it up and he started chewing on it again. And I think that's what we do as humans sometimes. We forgive something, we put it down, we let it go, we cool off, and then a day later, a week later, a month later, we, we get re-angry about it. And that's okay, that's human nature. And forgiveness is a process, and the trick is, when you notice yourself getting re-wound up about it, to stop, take a deep breath, and put it back down. Now, before we lived in Montana, my, my family lived in Virginia for like seven and a half, eight years. We moved there about a decade ago, and we had a really sweet season of ministry. I worked at a church there. I really loved my job. I loved my community there. Um, we had our, we have four daughters, under, 10 and under, and uh, we had most of them while we lived there. So that was you know, just a really beautiful season of life. But towards the end of my time at that church, I began to, to kind of recognize a lot of toxic and un unhealthy patterns with leadership, and, and people were kind of leaving left and right after being wounded by leadership there. And as I brought about, uh, I tried to like have conversations around, hey, I'm seeing a pattern here. Those conversations went really poorly. <laughs> and, and towards the end of my time there, I just decided I need to leave this place because it's no longer healthy for me. And that was a really hard decision to make. It cost me a lot relationally, and we invested a lot of time in that community. But we decided to walk away because there wasn't change happening in that environment and it was no longer sustainable to be there. And I was really angry for quite a while about that. In fact, when I quit my job, and the first two months, I woke up like angry every day about that, about how that all kind of fell apart and transpired. And I do the work, I, I, I try to do some type of mindfulness every day and, and, and kind of work through, I need to put this down, it's not good for me. Like I can't just be angry as I interview for like the next jobs. I can't go into those interviews really angry 
it's not good to you know, trash your previous place of employment when you're trying to get hired somewhere else. Not, that, that's, that's good. That's advice you guys can write down. Um, but I was angry for like two months, like every day. And I had to do the work of putting it down. And eventually, as I did the work, I realized I, I began to be angry like every other day. And then like once a week. And then like every other week, I'd get angry about it. And now I'm actually in a pretty good place about that whole experience. It's only if something directly reminds me of, of something from that environment that I'll kind of get really angry about it. I'm probably sensitive about that stuff still. But I'm not waking up angry about it anymore. But it took time and it took intentionality. I very easily could and still can just hold on to that and become a bitter, small person. Forgiveness is a process. It takes intentionality, and it's not just a one-time event. We have to keep doing it. One of the disciples came up to Jesus and said, how many times do I have to forgive somebody? Seven times? And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. Essentially saying, as many times as someone wounds you, you should forgive them, which is, I think, a great principle. But I think there's another way, another angle to look at that passage as well. It could simply be, hey, this person's wounded you once, but you need to forgive them 70 times seven for that one offense because you have a tendency to keep picking it up and get angry about it. I don't know if you guys have been married and been in an argument where someone, one of the spouses, brings up something from like a year <laughs> previous, a week previous, whatever it is. That doesn't really go well, right? <laughs> we need to learn to put those past things down and be present uh, in these relationships. Forgiveness is a process. So I want to close uh, this morning with just a few questions for us to kind of ponder or ruminate on. What is something that you need to leave behind? Something you need to put down, let go of, move on from? It could be a, a wound uh, from a family member or a friend or a coworker or a spouse or a kid. What's something that you need to consciously and intentionally put down. It could be disappointment in yourself, a way you've let yourself down. How do you forgive yourself of that? It could be from like a cosmic level. You're just really angry about life right now because of how the past two years have gone. You're really disappointed and frustrated. I, I found myself that way at times. And so maybe you, you need to work on forgiving God or the universe or whatever that looks like for you, uh, however you frame that or understand that. But what's the work look like to put those things down and to move on from it, to leave it, to stop ruminating or chewing on it, but to leave it? And when you find yourself picking it back up, to put it back down again. And what's the practical next step for that? If it's a relationship you want to patch up, is it writing a letter? Is it writing a letter to yourself? Is it writing a letter that you don't have any, any intention of sending? Um, what, is the, what does the next step look like for you in that situation that you need to forgive, that you need to let go, that you need to leave behind to move on from? All right, let's pray.